Welcome to the first episode of Behind the Lines. I'm here with Justin Yehuda and Noah Salve. So let's get to it. James Harden, last year's MVP, has continued dominating the league, having multiple 40-plus point triple-doubles and leading the NBA in scoring. However, Giannis Antetokounmpo has developed into a weapon of mass destruction, averaging 27.7 points, 12.5 rebounds, and 5.9 assists per game for the season. Justin, who do you think deserves to be awarded as this year's MVP? This year's MVP is James Harden, for a few reasons. First, he's scoring 36.1 points per game at 44% from the field, the most since Michael Jordan in 86-87 with 37.1. He is a scoring machine. He's had seven games of 50-plus points. He completely dominates the offensive end of the floor, and he's reinvented how to play, at least on offense. Have you even seen Ricky Rubio try to guard him? It's unbelievable. Right? There is no way to stop him offensively. He single-handedly wins games with his step back and his drives to the basket. He doesn't have the best defense in the league, but his offense is so impactful that he himself wins games. Right? Will he win the MVP in reality? I don't necessarily think so because Giannis has more appeal. He is, I mean, he's a more flashy guy, I think, when it comes to dunking on just about everyone in the league. Um, but when you look at Harden's numbers, he's having a lot better scoring averages this year than last year. And last year he won MVP, so I think he should win. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. <clears throat> well, first off, I'm going to say that Harden, even last year, we all know that for the past 10 years, however many years, LeBron, except for this year maybe, should have been the MVP every year. Because single-handedly, he's the only one that takes the team uh, on his back in a way. I think Giannis should be the MVP, undoubtedly. The reason is because, like Justin said, James Harden really can't play defense, and his scoring is not that much. Of course, he's one of the best scorers. He can score at will, but he can't. He doesn't have an all-around game like Giannis does, right? Giannis wins seven more games. You talk about Harden, Harden uh, single-handedly winning games. Harden actually has a lot of pieces with him. He has Capella. A lot of role players, uh, Chris Paul also is a star, a star. Uh, Clint Capella, uh, Chris Paul, Gerald Green, all these players are essential to the Rockets' success, right? Giannis single-handedly transformed the Bucks by himself, right? James Harden has been there. Ever since he got there, he put up numbers, right? But, but when since Giannis came to the league, he's been putting up these tremendous numbers, and he's won seven more games than James Harden has and took the number one seed and is undoubtedly going to sweep everyone in the Eastern Conference and he's going to make the finals. And it's something James Harden can't do and he won't be able to, he can't win playoff games. That's just my opinion. I do not doubt that Giannis is a freak of nature. He can score any shooting 70% uh, in the paint. It's unbelievable. It's We haven't seen it since really Shaquille O'Neal, that dominance. But James Harden is changing the way that we play basketball. He's he had the Bucks literally guard him from the side to stop his step back. He can score really from anywhere. He takes over games, he drives to the basket, he shoots threes. He's really unstoppable and I think that I would rather have a James Harden on my team because you can surround him with pieces like Capella or Chris Paul and create a team that really should have gone to the finals last year. So, I I think that Harden deserves it more than Giannis, and I think he has a bigger ceiling in terms of game-by-game -game play. I mean, the thing is with that, you talk about that the Bucks have to guard him from, all, from both, all over the court in order to stop him. Bucks won both those games that they played this year. 
Bucks won by 14 uh, recently, and in January they won by seven, right? So in a way, the Rockets can be stopped, right? The thing is, with the thing is, Giannis can the Rockets, the Rockets but can, can Harden be stopped? But when Harden, but you see, Harden is stopped, the Rockets don't win, right? Um, so doesn't that make him more valuable to his team than Giannis would be? It makes him more valuable to his team, but what I'm saying is Giannis is more valuable than James. Giannis, the argument here is that who's more valuable to their team, right? Giannis is more valuable to his team than James Harden is to his team, right? Because if you talk about James, if you're talking about success in general, Giannis, Gian, the Bucks have had more success, right? More success. Giannis is putting up better numbers than Harden, honestly. He's he's playing much better. But, but pain, put, put Harden on the Bucks yeah. and put Giannis on the Rockets. Yeah. Who's a better team? I say the Bucks. Okay, but because the role players are better. But single-handedly, Giannis changed the culture, right? Who name what, what other all-star other than this year is on the Bucks? Other uh, Chris, Chris Middleton. Middleton. I'm saying this year. Chris Middleton. First year as an all-star. Right. They're all young players on the, on the Bucks. Giannis single-handedly brings them all together. Who are the only older players, Ersan Ilyasova, who has no effect on the team at all. I mean, I, I personally am a fan, but come on, like generally. Like Clint Capella, Chris Paul, like, like, it's it's just he just not enough effect on him. He doesn't change that culture the way Giannis does. And just being a freak of nature single-handedly propels Giannis over hard. Okay, so regarding the process of choosing the MVP, do you guys believe that the current system works, or should it be changed? I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, they have professionals that vote on it. I mean, if you're t looking single-handedly, people say that people are snubbed from the MVP and stuff like that. But like most things are, it's generally a vote. I think there's no problem with it. So I actually have a huge problem with the MVP system. I think it's all for ratings. I think it's not legitimate. I think it's, I think it's wrong. So if we're really talking about what should be, like Noah said earlier, LeBron James should have 10 season MVPs. He's the best player year after year. He, he really should have a lot more. And also, think about this. When Russell Westbrook won the MVP, we were all in awe because he averaged a triple-double in the season. That was unbelievable. But he's done it two more times and isn't really talked about in the MVP race anymore. I mean, now it's Harden versus Giannis, but Westbrook's triple-doubles and his numbers have been either the same or better since he's won the MVP. So how do we say that there's a formula to win the MVP when there's really not? It's really just who's more appealing and what I think what gives the NBA the best ratings because people don't want to see LeBron James win 10 MVPs every year. That's just not sexy enough for the league, right? I think it should be the player who has the best season performance, who has the most value as a player. You could think about it, who has the highest 2K rating in one season if you were to give people ratings. Um, not necessarily most value to their team. I think that's a factor, but I think it's just who was the best player this year and who had the most impact on the game. Um, yeah, I think that obviously that's a great idea if we were able to uh, determine. But the thing is, my question to you, Justin, is how do you determine the value of the player? Because you can go by stats, you can go by impact. Because you can see Russell Westbrook, right? Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple double, but he's it's a, a six seed, right? So the Oklahoma City Thunder are a six seed, right? So his yeah, his stats like you could say well uh, Caruso. Um, on the Lakers is putting up 25 points in the last stretch of the season, averaging more than a lot of people in the league. But who cares about that? It's a no-name, on a no-name team, like, the, I mean, obviously the Lakers, are, I mean, this season, are, this season, this season, obviously, are 
playing like are balling out, right? You could say that his two, uh, in a sense, his rating is going up, but he has no impact on the on the actual game of the basketball. That's what, that's my problem. So the way that it works now, they have a bunch of insiders and analysis people. They they sit down and they vote for who they think is the best. Um, but I think that that's fine. I think they should just be focusing on who had the most impact and who was the best this season. Not not any of the alternative things. I think they value too much um, like uh, a, a player's seed, like best player on the best team. I don't think that works necessarily because there's more than uh, one person in, in basketball. It's a team game. Uh, it's hard to give the MVP to one person when their team is number one. I think that's they need to earn that separately. Um, so yeah, I think that that's what should be done instead. The emphasis. There have already been many surprises in this year's playoffs, such as the Spurs being the Nuggets, Magic defeating the Raptors, and the Nets taking a game from the 76ers, and of course the 8th seed Clippers being able to grab the win over the Warriors in Game 2 at Oracle Arena. That was crazy. With all these upsets in mind, which teams do you guys believe will make it to the finals this year? Okay, so I think the Houston Rockets will make it out of the, out of the West, because for one reason, they were just so close last year, and I think they've gotten even better this year. They have veteran experience in Chris Paul. I mean, they missed him so much in Game 7 last year as a facilitator when they blew that lead to the Warriors, which ended up uh, resulting in a loss. Right This year, their offense is just unstoppable. They're first in the NBA in three-point attempts and three points made per game. They've completely adjusted to the new NBA in that sense. And they're 35.6% as a team. Right, James Harden, as I said before, is scoring 36.1 points per game. You cannot stop James Harden. It's just, it's impossible if you ask me. He can score on you. He can score on anyone in the league. And if he doesn't show up, you got Chris Paul, you got Clint Capella, you have other scores. I think they function as a team very well. I think this team beats the Warriors in the next round of the playoffs. They almost did last year. I think they get a shot at redemption with the Warriors looking dysfunctional this year. I think they get their shot. Um, looking at the team in general, since Clint Capella returned after All-Star Weekend, the Rockets have won 80% of their games. They really... It's, it's a shock if they lose. They're great. They started slowly, right? They did start 11 and 14, but since then, they, since then, they have had the number one offense in the entire league. And yes, defense is a huge factor, but you got Clint Capella in the running for Defensive Player of the Year as an elite rim protector. And I just think when teams like the Rockets put up so many points per game and can lock you down near the basket, it's going to be really difficult to stop them. The East, I have Milwaukee coming out. They dominated this year. They are the team to beat in that conference, right? They're the only team lower than Houston in three points made and three points attempted per game. Um, right? Aside from Giannis, you got guys like Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe. The rest of the crew can completely reign from three-point range. And that's obviously very important in today's game with the Golden State Warriors changing everything a few years ago. Uh, Giannis is a monster inside, and he can protect the rim just as good as anyone, in my opinion. He's unbelievably long. He can jump like no one I've ever seen before. Um, and Milwaukee's defense does have does have <coughs> hold on. Milwaukee's defense does have some credentials. They have held opponents to the lowest field goal percentage in the league. There's a lot to be said there, and I think those two teams will meet each other in the finals this year. Look, I mean, I 100% agree that Milwaukee will um, make it to the finals. They're most likely going to play the Celtics in the semifinals, and then they're going to play the 76ers if they uh, 
beat the Rockets, most likely in the conference finals. So Milwaukee's definitely going to the finals in the East. The West actually is much more interesting. I think that there are four legitimate contenders out of the eight teams. I mean, out of the um, eight teams right now, I say the Warriors, Rockets, Portland, and Denver. Portland. Portland and Denver. Okay. Okay. Personally, I think Denver's down two to one right now. Spurs took a home game away from them. I think they will get. I think they might lose to the Spurs, and Portland will sweep the Thunder, and Portland's going to make it to the Eastern, uh, the Western Conference Finals. The most interesting game with finals implications is going to be the Warriors and Rockets in the semifinals. They both make it through because the Warriors won by thirty something points last night. Rockets all. Destroying the Jazz. We all thought Jazz were a legitimate playoff team. Obviously not. Donovan Mitchell can't hold the load by himself. Nope. Warriors and Rockets, right? You really look at it. Last year, Game 7. There was a... Rockets had a chance, right? right. Rockets had a chance. Rockets should have won that game. Rockets... I don't know if they should have won, but Rockets had a chance. The Warriors... Look, you can never put money against the Warriors. The Warriors are always going to somehow win. And... Honestly, I think it might go to Game 7 again because of the um, the conflict that's going on between Durant and the teammates and all the chemistry problems. But they're just so... Oh, and DeMarcus Cousins is now out, right? But right, that's played. huge. I mean, you think about it. Their big man is gone. They replaced him with Andrew Bogut. I but mean, Bogut's been playing great. Okay, but he's no DeMarcus Cousins by any measure. But Bogut is playing great. Sure, but... When you look at the team this year, you look at the team this year, they're not the same as they were in years past. They don't play together. Kevin Durant is trying to be the man. You know, he, he's definitely leaving, and they everyone knows that. Um, they're not the same, I think. They don't, they don't have good chemistry. I don't think they're the same team on defense that they were last year and in years past. And I think that if any year is the year that they have their downfall, it's this year, and I think it's to the Houston Rockets. Well, I, I agree with you that this year is not, they're not like years past, but there's... Who who can guard Kevin Durant on the Rockets? It's tough. Who can guard Stephen Curry on the Rockets? Chris Paul. Okay, that's one. Who can guard Klay Thompson? Right. I mean, that's the argument. Who, but you, but no, see, you even if you have the best defenders in the league, the Warriors have so many weapons that no matter what you do, they'll still be able to prevail. Rockets, look, Rockets. Yeah, you have James Harden can score at will, right? He'll put up thirty points, forty points a game, right? Easily. Chris Paul would put 10 assists to 20 points a game, right? But that's it. You have Clint Compella. Their role players are not as significant as the Warriors have. There's no way that they can actually out. Like, yes, I, I could say that they'll take two games, three games away from the Warriors, but there's no way you can count them to beat them in the series. Think about, series. think about this last year. Most of those arguments were the same last year. They were an even more vicious team last year, and they still found themselves, what, what was it, down 27 or what was it? And they came back. Houston missed so many three-pointers right in a row and then and then lost that game without Chris Paul. I mean, I think that they I mean, they're going to need to steal a game in Oakland, which is really tough, but if they do that, I don't see them losing a game at home and I think they could push it to 7 with the Warriors and possibly beat them. I, I agree with you. I definitely think it's going to go I definitely think it's going to go more than 5 games, definitely. Warriors uh, Rockets Rockets are great. And it's gonna be great. It's good. That's gonna be the. That's gonna be. I honestly, it might be whoever wins that. Whoever wins that series wins the wins the finals. Right. That, that's that's the biggest. I agree. I agree. I don't think the. Even though Milwaukee is really tough, I don't think either 
And Milwaukee would be either uh, yeah, the no Warriors way or the Rockets. No yeah. way. Big football news. As you both know, the Seattle Seahawks have, ex- have extended quarterback Russell Wilson to a four-year, $140 million con- contract with $107 million guaranteed. He now has the highest annual salary in the entire NFL at $35 million per year. Do you guys think that this deal is worth it for the Seahawks? Um, honestly, look, we all know Russell Wilson, Super Bowl winning quarterback, brought the team twice to the Super Bowl. He's he's a good quarterback. He's one of the he's the, I, I say still top ten quarterback, top five quarterback in the league. But for that much money, are you kidding me? Like Matt Ryan gets paid that much, and Matt Ryan sucks. Like people look. I think the problem is right. This happens with a lot of teams. They start losing players. Seattle lost Richard Sherman. That's all Byron Maxwell. They lost their Legion of Boom when they were 2014, 2015. They were at their peak, right? They lost so many players. All of a sudden, the GM gets scared, right? The GM gets scared. He goes, oh, we need to keep players. We need to keep players. Automatically tries to get, get a franchise quarterback to stay. Like, Russell Wilson is not, like, all that, honestly. Like, he's not... They're never going to win another Super Bowl. <laughs> Like, we can agree on that unless something dramatic happens. They're never going to win another Super Bowl. So, I don't see the point, really, in uh, Russell Wilson getting a new sign. Um, I don't even understand why the contract was that big. Um, honestly, if a lot of people said he might go to the Giants, right, the Giants, I think that would also be a career killer for him because they're really, look, they're really not a passing offense in a sense, right? They got Saquon Barkley, they're going to run the ball the majority of the time. They don't even need to pass. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is so good, he can just go off every play and go for whatever 60 yards every yes. play. Yes, so I think that it was a dumb idea. He could have been a lot cheaper and they should have let him walk. I think this deal was 100% worth it for the Seahawks, on the contrary. They're retaining a guy who threw 35 touchdown passes a year after leading the league with 34 in 2017. I mean, he's consistent, he can throw deep, he can throw short, he's got very few flaws to his game. He can run the ball. He's a Super Bowl winner. You you list other guys, right? Like obviously Matt Ryan. I don't think he's on the same level. Not a Super Bowl winner, even though he was awfully close. You know that's the thing. There's there's something to be said when you you have won a Super Bowl. You've got that under your belt. And you look at the league, right? Not that many teams are in the quarterback market. Almost every team has a guy that they're confident in and can win games, right? Mm-hmm. Th- think about the teams that don't have. Quarterback. Right, you got the Denver Broncos, Joe Flacco, I, I don't see it. The Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, the Arizona Cardinals with the first pick in the draft, and Josh Rosen, just to be safe. And maybe the Buccaneers, because they've got Jamison Fitzpatrick, and that clearly isn't gonna win them the Super Bowl, so maybe the Buccaneers. Are any of those places better than the Seahawks for Russell Wilson? Think about for him. Why like why go anywhere else than the Seahawks? They've got a good system. They're a running team. It works for him. They've got now Chris Carson. He really came into his shoes last year. He's playing well. Um, And yeah, I mean, to be quite fair, he did have a Super Bowl stolen from him. I'm going to make that clear. If you just gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch, he would have another ring on his finger. So think about a guy who really should have two rings, right? He can throw so accurately. I put him just as, as high as anyone, maybe not Aaron Rodgers in terms of accuracy, Right, and he's a leader. He's um, he's a locker room guy. He's you know a role model, and I think that he deserved every dollar out of this thirty-five million dollar contract. You know, the quarterback market is changing. Obviously, whoever's uh, whoever's contract is up seems to become the highest-paid player. So yeah, I mean, 
Is he the highest paid now? Of course. I think that's, I mean, good for him. He deserves it. But, you know, I think that he he's earned it. And I think he can help them go to the playoffs and potentially the Super Bowl in the future. Well, what I think is, obviously, it's a great deal for him. I mean, who wouldn't want to have $35 million a year? Of course. The question is, is it a good deal for the Seahawks? Which I don't think it is, right? This is a business. You're gonna you're giving money to a, a a quarterback. Yeah, he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe he should have won two. But that Super Bowl gave tremendous implications for the rest of his career, right? If he won that Super Bowl, Seahawks. I think Seahawks would have had a dynasty. <clears throat> I think they would have kept going, making a Super Bowl another year at least, right? He's never gonna be able to live that off. I'm sorry, that Super Bowl. He's never gonna make another Super Bowl again, and he's never gonna be able to live that off. And that's just. Just the reality of it, right? <clears throat> He's ten and six, right? <clears throat> Sorry, ten and six overall. He goes ten and six in a year, right? Losing the first round to the playoffs to a mediocre Dallas Cowboys team. Like, I've, I've I I wouldn't call it mediocre. Dak and Zeke are two headed monster, and that defense. I mean, you're right. They could have made look, it but further, the, but they, they could have made it like they could have made it further. But he just they don't don't have the options or the Anything available for him to throw to. But if you're the Seahawks and you let Russell Wilson walk, I mean, what does it say about your team? What does it say about your future? Or you're rebuilding. You're rebuilding. A team is rebuilding, right? Come on. I mean, you have to. You have to come. Like, why rebuild a a team that could make it deep into the playoffs? But they're not going to make. I think they could make it deep. They're not going to make it deep into the playoffs. They they could definitely with Russell Wilson at quarterback. I think he is. Who's Hall of Fame potential? Who's he going to throw to? Listen, he's clearly had not that many. He's got Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin, who are mediocre. I'll tell you, they're not the best. But they still manage to win games. They're a tough team to beat every year. Even when they start off slow last season, fans. they make the playoffs. That's because they're fans. At home, they can't lose at home. That's the thing. They can't lose at home. 10-6 and six record? Like, you're not good. Like, that's not... That's and not. that's an off year, considering for them. I, I give them a higher ceiling than 10-6. and six. But look, I think that... Like, in what? Go look at the other teams that I listed before. The Broncos, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Cardinals, and maybe the Buccaneers, right? None of those teams are really that good. Without a quarterback, you really can't do much in this league. And I think Russell Wilson, of anyone, could go on to any team and give them a better chance of making the playoffs. I'm not saying he would totally change it, but if I have Russell Wilson at quarterback, I know that my player can win a Super Bowl. I know that my quarterback can win games night in and night out, and I would want him on my team. I think it's worth the financial risk. Look, he's ever since 2016, right? 2016 was his peak in passing yards. Ever since then, he's done 2017 through 3,983, and last year through 3,448. But he's got touchdowns. There are there are more running focused team in the one, touch, one one more touchdown. Right? That's pretty good. 35 well, touchdowns. 35 touchdowns. Okay, but for, on a 10 and six record. On a ten and six record, come on, ten and six record. Thirty five touchdowns is way more. But on than a running three. team, look at their running numbers. I mean, they got Chris Carson getting thirty two carries in one game. Russell Wilson getting carried. I mean, that's just how they play. That's always how Pete Carroll has been. And like you said, who are they going to throw it to? They got really no one. So that's how they're stopped. So, so then, what's and the he point? led the league at thirty four touchdowns. Let's not give him any. Uh, why, why would any you? Why, why would you expand him if you're a running team? You'd, why would you give him so much money for as a running team? Right, because you need him. Regardless, he opens up that running lane. He can th- he can open up that threat with his accurate passing. So you're telling me they you, you tell me they couldn't have gotten him for cheaper. Listen, I maybe they have got him for See, cheaper, but he had a deadline. That's, that's what I'm he saying. gave him a deadline, April fifteenth. If you don't offer me a contract, I'm look, leaving. Someone was gonna pay him that. That's, that's look. Someone was gonna pay him that. Where wherever my, it was, 
My, I think he was going to be the highest paid player in the league. My argument is that it was a terrible deal for the Seahawks. Keeping him was a great idea, but the money that they gave him, they can't get any free agents with after that. They have no gap room. That this took up their entire cap space. Yeah, Justin, how good is Russell Wilson really when compared to the rest of the league? I mean, last season, many quarterbacks proved themselves to be prominent. Super Bowl champion Tom Brady and Saints QB Drew Brees showed that age is just a number. And young QBs like Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff showed that they are forced to be reckoned with early in their careers. Would you consider Russell to be a top five quarterback today? You know, I would consider Russell Wilson to be a top five quarterback. So here are my top five quarterbacks just for uh, for that. This is in order. Right today, we're talking about not career-wise. We're talking about who is the best yeah. today. I start with Aaron Rodgers. He's unbelievable. Obviously, I think he is GOAT potential, right? Patrick Mahomes at two. He was 50 touchdowns this year. He was unbelievable. I was a huge advocate for his MVP case. He was unreal. Led that Kansas City team to a Final Four matchup, right? You got Drew Brees, the Saints, obviously. He was killed it this year. He kills it every year. He's 37 years old. Plays like he's 20. Um, and, of course, Tom Brady. Cannot disrespect the GOAT, in my opinion. He's... You know, he's killing it also at such an old age, like you said. And then right after him at number five, I do have Russell Wilson. I think he's a better player than Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, and Matt Ryan, who would compete for that number five spot. I don't think Jared Goff is really all that. He proved that in the Super Bowl. He couldn't do anything. I mean, three points is not is not a Super Bowl caliber. Um, and like I said before, he's won the Super Bowl, right? You swap either Cam, Luck, or Matt Ryan into the Seattle Seahawks, and they don't win either of the Super Bowls that he's played in, right? He's made the craziest plays in the playoffs, right? If any of you remember that deep throw he had in the Super Bowl in which they lost, yeah, he had that crazy throw to Jermaine Curse against the Packers that put him into the uh, Super Bowl. I mean, he just, time and time again, he's a clutch player. Uh, and he continues to put up these numbers, like I said, with Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett as his receivers. Like, those aren't so special. They're great guys. None of them are WR1s, if you ask me, but it doesn't matter because he's so accurate. He makes those players around him better, um, and he can run the ball. That's one thing that's a commodity today in the NFL. Running the ball as a quarterback helps a lot. It opens up the passing game. It opens up running lanes for your running back, um, and I do think he's a top-five quarterback in today's NFL. I agree with you with the top four. I don't know if... Uh in that order, but I definitely agree with you top four. And like you said, the top, the fifth spot is very tricky because there are a lot of players that you can actually swap into there. And one player that I think you forgot about, I'm going to mention is Philip Rivers as well. I definitely think he could fill that fifth spot. So right now we're looking at the fifth spot. He doesn't have a Super Bowl though. He doesn't have a Super Bowl, right? But he had a better record this year, better better numbers this year, Philip Rivers. Right? All right, Philip Rivers also got stuck in this situation too. Like, anyways, so um, right, so you have Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, and Philip Rivers. Right? Honestly, if we're talking about if we're talking about all time, obviously Russell Wilson. Right now, I'd probably say Russell Wilson as well. And but you have to admit, Matt Ryan and Philip Rivers are very close to taking that spot. Yes, they are, but they're Extremely missing that close. level of experience, which is the Super Bowl. That is the greatest achievement in all of sports, if you ask me. Getting to the Super Bowl is like, what, there's hundreds of millions of viewers every year, and it's that's really where the pressure gets on. We gave Jared Goff that opportunity this year, and he blew it, if you ask me. Like, three points. They didn't even score a t like, three points. 
That's awful to me. And yeah, you could say the same, oh yeah, Brady didn't score a touchdown, but he's had five other Super Bowls where he's won, and he's totally proved that he's capable of taking over a game. I think Russell Wilson fits into that category. Matt Ryan really almost did, but he choked also in the Super Bowl. And that's what defines you as a player. That's what defines your career. And that wasn't that long ago. I think that matters today. So we're talking about today's NFL. I think that's what matters. Russell Wilson can handle the pressure. And I think he fits into that five spot, even though it is totally close between Ryan and Rivers. And I also threw in Cam and Andrew Luck. Also, I think it's this could all change within a year or two. But I'm saying right now, Russell Wilson has got it. A lot of unexpected moves have been made during the NFL offseason. Odell going to the Browns is a complete power shift for both Cleveland and the Giants. And Antonio Brown from Pittsburgh to the Raiders made the headlines as well. Going into the NFL season, which team takes the biggest leap forward and which team falls from their place? Noah? Browns. Browns, hands down. Browns are going to win the division. Browns are going to make the playoffs. They're going to win a playoff game. Look, the number one pick taking Baker Mayfield was the smartest thing the Browns have ever done, I've, I've ever seen. Baker Mayfield is undoubtedly the best quarterback in that draft. He's going to be the best quarterback until maybe Tua or Taylor Lawrence comes into the NFL and it gets drafted. Like, they're so good. There are so many weapons. My only concern with them, my only concern with them is how Odell's going to fit in, right? Because you can you can consider Odell as being kind of like a cancer in the locker room. Like, say, comparing him to a like... A diva. A diva, yeah. Comparing something with Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown, same mm -hmm. thing. These uh, stars that want more attention and need more plays towards them, direct towards them, whatever. That doesn't matter. My problem is how he's going to fit into the lineup, right? So... Antonio Brown's going to start. Jarvis Landry obviously had a mediocre season last year comparing to him carrying the load for the Dolphins the previous years. right? You have a running back, Nick Chubb, and they also got... Um, Kareem Hunt. They got Kareem Hunt as well. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is going to play as well. Overall, and the defense is on fire as well. Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett. They're, they're obviously going to win the division, and I seriously think they could make a playoff run and... That's just my opinion. My, my the concern is with Odell, honestly. However, he fits in. So, I definitely hear you talk about Cleveland being a better team. They, I mean, they're flashy. They got the attention this year. I mean, this is the first time I think I've ever wanted to watch a Cleveland's Brown, Cleveland Browns game, to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that they necessarily take the biggest leap forward. I, I like Baker as a quarterback, but I don't know if he's ready to take on the spotlight right now I mean or in terms of getting to the playoffs he's clearly a spotlight guy but I think the Oakland Raiders take a bigger leap, leap forward this season I think that John Gruden is the right guy at the helm I think even with the Antonio Brown drama they gave up uh what was it a third round pick to get Antonio Brown the best receiver in the last like what five six years consecutively I mean I think that was a great deal and all you have to deal with is his drama outside of the locker room and to be quite honest I mean his production on the field outweighs that by far right you got three first rounders this year you got a healthy Derek Carr who has Pro Bowl potential and you got a bolstered offensive line right they were four and ten right I think they could be a nine win team at the least this year if they stay healthy if they keep their game plan I mean They've got they've got pieces, right? And they're just building off of a off of a team that wasn't so great. But you got Derek Carr coming back. You got Antonio Brown. It's just hard to say that their offense will not be unstoppable. I think that they're the team 
that makes the biggest leap forward. Do you have a team that goes back or no? Team that takes the biggest hit. Team which team falls? Well, you could say. Well, obviously, you could say the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not they lost their two star players. You could, you, could. you could, but I think a lot of the teams that do take a fall are um, teams that are rebuilding, right? So you see Giants. Well, I mean, you can't really take a fall from. That's what I'm saying. You cannot from take yeah, from, <laughs> from that. The Giants, man. <laughs> but then also again, you could say um, uh, Dolphins are going to take a huge fall. A lot of these new teams, Cardinals are going to take a huge fall. But Cardinals already sucked to begin with. So, like, yeah. a lot of these teams really were not good. I'm saying, like... Oh, for a major fall, then the Steelers. Okay. I think that's my team, is the Steelers. I think that's... Or, you know, actually, no. Maybe the Cowboys. Really? The I, Cowboys? I, don't, I think the Cowboys lose first round in the playoffs. That's my opinion. Is that really much of a fall, though? I mean, biggest fall. But look, they're, 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 the point of the bet, they're, they're supposed to win the division. Right, right. them and the Eagles, right? They're they're actually no. I changed that. I say the Eagles. Eagles. The Eagles take. Eagles take the biggest fall. Okay, let's hear it. Look, I think Nick Foles is a much better quarterback than Carson Wentz. I agree. Nick (laughs) Foles should have won the starting job. Yep. Guys in Jacksonville, they might play better. Who knows? Won the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yeah, he won the. He legitimately Carson Wentz would have never won that Super Bowl. No, he would not. We could all agree he would never win the Super Bowl. He would not have won that Super Bowl. The problem is now you have Carson Wentz back at the helm, right? They respected Nick Foles. Not and to knock Wentz. I mean, he's still a great quarterback. No. Oh, yeah, I obviously. Don't, but I look, don't know if he's... I, I don't know if he's all that because everyone's on him. Everyone thinks he's amazing. All oh, Philly's like savior. In reality, what do you, he won, the, Nick Foles came and clutched every game for them that they needed to win. And I think that without Nick Foles, they lose a lot. And probably Carson Wentz might get injured again. Probably the most, most injury-prone quarterback there is. And... I think they they lose in the playoffs. All right. I mean, I take the LA Chargers as my biggest hit, right? They're in the AFC West. You look at the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Raiders, right? I I definitely expect Kansas City to be unbelievable. They'll they'll stay at twelve and four where they were last year, and they'll they'll win. Um, and like I said, the Oakland Raiders are in that division. They're going to take a huge leap forward and fight for a wild card spot. Um, you know, the LA Chargers, I don't see them getting that much better. I mean, they have the 28th pick in the draft. I don't foresee them adding a difference maker on either side of the ball, really. I mean, I just don't think at that point in the draft they're going to really make that much noise. They'll still be a good team. Don't get me wrong. You got Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen on offense, and you got Melvin Ingram and all those guys on defense. They're, they're still a good team. They're still a solid team. Uh, but I don't think they'll make the divisional round again. They'll be a mid-level team. And I think they'll be eliminated from playoff contention before week 17. Yeah. And of course, with football season coming up, comes fantasy football with it. Who would you guys pick as number one overall in fantasy this season? Todd Gurley. Um, I've played fantasy football fifth since, I don't even know, 10 years maybe? Like a long, I've been playing, doing it for a long time. And I'm a running back kind of guy. I. I think running backs are much better than wide receivers in terms of first-round picks. This year, I got into a bad, got a bad pick seventh overall. I had to take two wide receivers, but that doesn't matter. First overall pick has to be Todd Gurley. He's the best all over, all-around player in the league. He can catch, he can run, he can do everything, and I think he has another amazing season this year. Okay, I mean, the thing about Todd Gurley is we watched him 
almost lose his job in the playoffs to C.J. Anderson, this, this fat running back who really just powered over people, didn't have as much skill. Uh, yes, there was an injury involved, but don't you feel like that might have hurt his stock a little bit? Or it might have hurt his stock, but you can't you can't just take away from the fact that he's look. Playoffs are a different story. Playoffs and regular season, we all can agree, are a different story, right? People go For off. Sure. People go off in the regular season and can't play in the playoffs, right? They're like that. That's just normal. People just can't hold up to the pressure. They have, they don't feel the pressure during the regular weeks and they go off. I think that's gonna motivate Todd Gurley to play much better. Do I think he's going to be a great playoff player? No. Do I think that the Rams are going to be as good as they were last year? Maybe. Who knows? They got a lot of they got a lot of weapons for sure. Clay Matthews, yeah, they got a lot of weapons. I just think that Todd Gurley is just the best player overall, and you just can't rule him out as being the number one pick. How about you? Who do you think? All right. So listen, of my New York Giants, I am taking Saquizus, Saquads, Barkley. He's unbelievable. I have no bad words to say. 2,000 yards from scrimmage on an awful 5-11 team, 13.07 rushing yards, averaging 5 yards per carry. The team did not have an O-line. Keep in mind, they were terrible. They were amongst the worst in the league in terms of O-line. They bolstered that this offseason, adding Kevin Zeitler, re-signing their center, and I think they're going to add another in the draft. He had 16 carries a game while catching 91 footballs as a running back. Right, and this is just for reference. Jarvis Landry had 84 in his first 16, and Odell had 91 in his first 12 games. I mean, Saquon Barkley is so heavily involved in that Giants offense. 16 carries a game, that could be improved upon. And I'm saying after losing Odell Beckham, that number might go up. And he caught 91 passes. Like, yeah, that's that might be as a result of Eli Manning too afraid to throw down the field. But listen, we got Eli Manning for another year. So I think that... He has so much upside. He's the focal point of the offense. You know, with Odell gone, I mean, yeah, we have Sterling Shepard. Now we have Golden Tate. But it's still going to be run through Saquon, right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's used in two of every three downs this season. I mean, that's Eli. Like I'm saying, Eli is too old to really make those deep throws. He's not going to take us to the playoffs. I do not think he will. And, I mean, the thing is, on the flip side, if we do draft a young rookie quarterback... Historically speaking, we'll run the ball a lot to alleviate that guy. Um, I think Saquon is a number one pick with the highest ceiling going into the season. He's really just killed team after team, breaking out for long runs, proving that he's got the moves to get a first down no matter where we are in the field. And I would take Saquon Barkley with the number one pick over Todd Gurley, largely because I'm too afraid to trust Todd Gurley after I watched him throughout the entire playoffs last year. I think Saquon has had few games in his rookie season that were a letdown. I mean, he scores in almost every game he plays. And listen, we're going to run it. We got a good line now. We're focused on that. I think that, I mean, it's it's hard to see him use his second year on the league in a team that I have little confidence in, even as a Giants fan. But I think that if anyone on the Giants is going to be a bright spot, similar to last season, it's going to be it's going to be Saquon Barkley. Well, actually, I think that we're missing a dark horse for first overall pick, and that's Alvin Kamara. Okay. Alvin Kamara res- might be the best passing, ca- passing, pass catching. pass catching back I've ever seen. Maybe better than Todd Gurley, right? Drew Brees. Now, now he was he, he put up those numbers splitting the ca- splitting carries with Mark Ingram. And keep in mind, they replaced Mark Ingram with Latavius Murray. Exactly. He's not a. My Mark Ingram just left. Right. He's gonna. I honestly can see him same way with um, Saquon. 
working probably two out of every three downs, maybe even three downs, even as a third down running back. Mm. The problem is with those two players, I think, is overusage. Right? 17 game season. It's a long, long, uh, 16 games, long season, right? Football is so strenuous on the body. If they get overworked, one small injury, and they're doing that, carrying that load like they are already, it's over. They can't, they can't, you see, it's all about the coaches playing smartly, right? If they overwork them, fatigue is going to set in. And then for fantasy football, you're going to lose them in whatever, week nine, and it's over for the playoffs. I'm, I'm going to take that back, though. I'm not, I mean, not take back my point. I'm going to refute what you're saying with the overusage. Because you look at the past, the past few years, right? Who are guys that have been used more than anyone else? You got Ezekiel Elliott and you have Le'Veon Bell back with the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Le'Veon Bell had the highest usage the last time he played a full season and he was the best fantasy player that year. And then you have Ezekiel Elliott, who's top five in fantasy, like or he's got that ceiling. I mean, he's a great player. I mean, even this year, look at how much Saquon was used. He still finished really high. Of course, it's it's easier to be injured when you're holding the ball as often as these guys do. But if you do stay healthy, that upside is number one. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially as a running back. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say, like, it's great for Kamara because he was putting up some unbelievable numbers and now he's only going to touch the ball seemingly more. So, I mean, that's definitely a plus for me. You do have that risk, though, of injury, which is 100% apparent. And it's, it's something you need to consider with the number one overall pick because you got plenty of guys that are, I mean, that, that's the thing. Going back, going way back to Adrian Peterson, I mean, coming off a torn ACL, he won the MVP and almost broke the rushing record. Yeah. So, I mean, when you are used that much, you got huge risk but with that there's also a lot of reward so i mean if you if you decide to make that choice with the number one overall pick i mean it's a tough decision but i would say saquon barkley and you're right that's that's a great point about alvin Kamara. he could totally sneak into the number one pick and that wouldn't be obscene um but yeah you know i, I would say either Kamara or saquon with the number one and then right after him listen you're right with todd Gurley with his upside he mm -hmm. proved that um so, I mean, I would take him in either two or three, but that's really, that's the highest I would take. That's all we have left for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Lines. Hope you enjoyed, and we will see you here next week.